Welcome to The Row Report, a podcast that brings you the latest news, exclusive interviews, and valuable insights from the region's top real estate leaders. And now, our host, Elizabeth Rowe. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Row Report, where we help agents like you Think, feel, and act like a pro. I'm so excited to be joining you from the studio this morning, and we've got some great content for you. Again, my name is Elizabeth Rowe, and I'm the broker and owner at Rowe Real Estate. And my name is Adam Robison. I'm the studio partner for Business Radio X, and together we have planted Northwest Arkansas Business Radio X right here in Northwest Arkansas. Elizabeth, I'm so excited to have our second episode of the Rowe Report today. Now, one of the things I heard we were talking about reminded me of when I was back in school, we used to talk uh, when I was getting my speech comm degree, we would look at how to develop relationships and the importance of trust in relationships. And that's exactly what today's topic brought me back to was the fact that we've, we it really is important that we trust our mortgage banker. And I think that's what you and your guest are going to talk about. Absolutely. I'm really excited because our guest today is someone that I have trusted for, oh my gosh, almost, almost my whole career, I think. I mean, we've, it's been a long time, Connie. Um, we've had a great relationship and have just really been able to um, help each other's career in ways that it, it's really made us feel pretty lucky. And I think that ultimately what that comes down to is creating a better experience for the consumer. And that shows up in transactions. So whether it's a title company or a mortgage lender, an inspector, having these strong relationships are really important to be in this trusting kind of field because it, it's transparent to your client and they're able to have a smoother transaction because of it. Well, Elizabeth, I think you've set the table perfectly. We're going to go ahead and take a break and we'll be right back. Are you ready to become a true hometown hero? Join our exclusive program at Northwest Arkansas Business Radio X and make a lasting difference in our community. With your Hometown Hero membership, you'll not only be invited on two separate podcast episodes over the life of your six-month membership, but you will also enjoy a well-deserved recognition at every event sponsored by Hometown Heroes. Don't miss this opportunity to shine. Join today for just $99 per month and let your heroic spirit ignite positive change. No commitment required. Cancel anytime. It's Hometown Heroes with Northwest Arkansas Business Radio X. Get ready to dive into the captivating world of real estate with The Row Report, the brand new podcast that will keep you informed and inspired. Join host Elizabeth Rowe as she brings you insightful conversations, expert opinions, and inspiring stories from the real estate scene in Northwest Arkansas. Whether you're a real estate professional seeking to expand your knowledge or simply interested in the fascinating world of realty, this podcast is tailor-made for you. Elizabeth's passion for the industry and her commitment to delivering valuable content will ensure you gain fresh insights and a deeper understanding of the real estate market in Northwest Arkansas. Be sure to join us for each and every episode of The Row Report each Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. exclusively on Northwest Arkansas Business Radio X. 
Welcome back to The Row Report. Today, I have a very special guest for you all, someone that I regard as an industry expert and really just a go-to for all things mortgage lending, and my dear friend, Conrad Eberhard with Flat Branch Mortgage. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you for having me, Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited just to, to jump right in, but I realize that our viewers don't have mm-hmm. you know the background that you and I have together and sure. stuff. So tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I've been a mortgage lender roughly 23 years, and I kind of fell backwards into it. Um, it was something that I wasn't really prepared to do. I was uh, working for a bank and looking at getting back into uh, stock brokerage type financial advisory, and I found out I was really good with loans. And um, one of the questions the the person interviewing me at that point in time asked me what my personal goals were, and I told her what they were, and she said, well, you're not going to be able to do this in this particular role that you want to get into, but you could do it in mortgage. And I was like, well, they won't hire me. And she said, well, they will now because that person, the manager over that mortgage department, had left and they took everyone with them. Mm. And so I got that warm body offer, went in there, and I became Rookie of the Year that year with that bank, and then it just built from there on and on and on. And so um, something I've found that was good to do, and I love doing it. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. And you know, that kind of drive and, and you're just goal oriented mm-hmm. yep. and that really shows up in more than just pushing paper and you know what people kind of think of mortgage lending is. And right. that's something that I've always loved working with you is, you know, you're always excited on the phone. You can tell that you're goal oriented and man, agents can just really feed off of that. So that's always been a nice advantage of working with you. You know, it's funny. I used to get in so much trouble growing up. I remember being in college and I would be on the phone with my mom and she's like, Conard, are you smiling right now? And I was like, yes. She's like, stop, because I can't understand anything you're saying. You got to enunciate. And that's me. I, I constantly smile. And it's just part of what I do. And that's sometimes so I got to bring it back. That's so good. That's uh, that's a perfect translation right? of Conrad, yeah. right? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, I really, I want to dive right in because I know that our listeners are anxious to hear, you know, just the the amazing wisdom that you have to offer today. <laughs> and so um, I really want to try to, you know, remove some of the obstacles that agents are having, whether they're brand new or they're experienced, you know, the mortgage business, it's forever changing. Correct. And so why don't we just, let's start at the very beginning, okay? Yeah. And let's talk about the application process, mm-hmm. kind of what that looks like, what that means, and mm-hmm. how agents can kind of point um, their buyers in the right direction. Yeah. So when you're talking about the application process, um, there's really, when, when a realtor is working with a, a buyer, there's two, two ways you can go. You can go a pre-qualification, you can go pre-approval, right? There's mm-hmm. two different, they're really similar, but they are different in, in many ways. Um, Typically, most people get just pre-qualified. So we'll have a client do an application. We'll grab the application. We'll pull the credit report. We'll go over their income. We'll determine, you know, how are you paid? How are we going to document it? We'll look at their assets, figure out how, you know, where their where their money is going to come back for their funds to close and how we're going to document that. Um, and then we kind of run through the guidelines, make sure that they fit into the program that that they're trying to go into, whether it's Fannie or Freddie or FHA, VA, RD, whatever it is. Um, and then if they do, then we can give them a pre-qualification letter. That can usually take anywhere from one day to about 48 hours, just depending on the complexity of it. But if you take it a step further, you can do a pre-approval. So it's the same process. Get an application, but now we're going to underwrite the entire file. We're, we want to get your income documents. We want to get your asset documents. We're going to get your IDs. Did you have a bankruptcy? We need to get your petition and discharge and a letter of explanation. So we, we do the whole thing, get that in front of an underwriter, and we get them pre-approved. And it's more of a concrete uh, letter at that point in time. So, so you basically have kind of, without going through the full underwriting process, which we'll get to in a minute, yeah. but without fully underwriting, get your 
kind of underwriting it a little bit up front. Yes. So yeah. So on the on on the pre-approval side of things, the typically the underwriter will get the file and they're going to look at everything but the appraisal, the title work, and the insurance. Mm. Um, and we're just going to make sure that that borrower's concrete. That's good. Right. That's good. You know, something that I've run into with, you know, training up new agents, and I think that other brokers have seen this too, and I'm sure you've, you've heard about this kind of thing happening, but um, sometimes they'll get a pre-qualification letter with mm-hmm. an offer, right? And it'll just say they're pre like, yeah, these minimal things look good, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say that they actually have a house to sell, okay? But that didn't show up in the offer, it would, wouldn't it have been nice to have had a pre-approval letter that would actually spell out something that says, hey, in order for this pre-approval to be good, this property at this address has to be closed because that's got to match the offer. Right. Yeah, yeah that's an issue. Um, so like I know our pre-qualifications. <laughs> that's a minor issue, right? Yeah. yeah. If, you have a con- if it's contingent upon the sale of the home, it yeah. needs to be in that letter. Um, and I've seen those letters you're talking about, yes. and it's unfortunate because usually when I when I hear about it, I'm on the backside. I've mm-hmm. got I've got another buyer, and they're and it's it's a part of a domino effect. Yeah, um, and they can't sell their house. Right, so. that's so good. That's mm-hmm. good. I love it. Prequal versus pre-approval. Make sure you get that pre-approval. Right, and it, maybe you could speak just to you know a, a smaller portion of our audience, and that is borrowers. Okay, so when you ask them to provide this pre, you know, all the documentation for their pre-approval, they think. Oh my gosh! Like, what are they going to ask for next? A DNA sample, or this right. or that? But can you kind of maybe bring that back around to mm-hmm. why? And maybe this is more of you a question to ask me. But why that is so important in making an offer in a competitive environment like yeah. we're in? Yeah. Why is it more important? Do you think to have a pre-approval versus a pre-qual letter? So one, you know, we don't. I, I, we don't like to ask all the questions that we have to ask. I'd rather not if I could get away with it, mm-hmm. but we have to, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. um, we'll have them gather those documents and, and there's kind of twofold to that. So when you're in a competitive market like we are, it wouldn't it be nice if the lend, like if you have someone pre-approved where you verified their income or you verified their assets, you know that they're solid and you're good to go. And Elizabeth, you call me and you say, hey, we're in a competitive market with uh, Jim Bob over here. Mm-hmm. And he, 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 we made an offer. We think the offer is great, but... We're worried. Yeah. Like, what if I picked up the phone and called the listing agent and said, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Listing Agent, I have Jim Bob as my client. We have them pre-approved. I've verified their income. I've verified their assets. Is that closing date going to work for you and your client? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it'd be powerful. Right. I, and I can I can really be a testament to that because, in fact, um, we had a listing here mm-hmm. recently yep. that um, we were trying to, I was helping the sellers find their way through the various offers. And I said, well, you know, look, they're all pretty similar. And you're, you're going to kind of end up netting around the same. So at, from there, what we look at after that are things like, who are they pre-approved with? Right. Right. Is it a local bank? Is mm-hmm. it um, someone that we don't like working with? We're not going to say their names on <laughs> right. air, but everybody knows who we're talking about. And, um, and you know, what goes into that? And so... Um, just because your team is a pro, you know, somebody that was working with a particular borrower mm-hmm. reached out and said, Hey, would it be okay if I gave your sellers a call, you know, on behalf of Mr. Buyer and Ms. Right. Buyer, you know, and again, this isn't somebody that we're working with, but somebody on your team reached out to the listing agent and said, Hey, can I make this connection, make a human connection and show them that I'm a person 
on the phone with the file in my hand. I've got eyes on it, and I didn't just pump out this letter. Right. It made a difference. Yeah. And we went with that offer. Yeah. You know. I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> it was here recently, like past couple weeks. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So that so. that does make a huge difference. That's really good info. Mm-hmm. Speaking of underwriting. Yep. I do have one question. <laughs> Do underwriters go to heaven? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) They do. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they need their hand held, but we can get them there. Yes, no. I I have a high level of... I've known plenty of really great underwriters, and Mm -hmm. I I say that with all... All jokes aside, you know, it's kind of like the IRS. We, we joke about IRS agents and Do how we? they're not really people. <laughs> I don't mean that. But, but, you know, it turns out underwriters are just like us, you know. And right. they have families and they have friends and they have goals. And they're not just these mean people behind the desk that are pushing rules and regulations that helps keep the borrower safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, right. really. It's I mean, true. that's that's, that's really what, yes. what they're there for. They think it's just to keep the bank safe, you know, from making bad investments. And that is a part of it. But ultimately, I think it keeps the public safe in helping people not make financial decisions that can lead to ruin or disaster right. on the road, right? So speaking of underwriters, mm-hmm. now that we know kind of their, you know, um, <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that process, because I'll tell you, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say this, but when I first got in the business, it was maybe a year, a year and a half of doing deals before I really understood what an underwriter was and what they did. It was something that I heard tossed around. Now, keep in mind, I, was, I wasn't even old enough to drink. Like, I right. didn't know, okay? But I'd never heard that word. And so as an agent trying to find my way through it, and even at first being too embarrassed to ask, well, like, who is this underwriter person and why are they saying that we're not going to close? And, you know, so can you kind of explain a little bit more about what they do, how they're trained and how it helps everyone? Yeah. So, you know, the underwriter in the mortgage process is basically the decision maker and what, so in mortgages for like secondary market mortgages, which what we do, it's all governed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Um, I think something like 92 or 95% of all mortgages go that channel. Um, and they give us a set of guidelines and those underwriters have to make sure that the application fits into those guidelines. And there's a ton of them and they're constantly changing. Um, so it's, there's a relationship between the loan officer and the underwriter. And I think it's really important that whenever a loan officer submits a file to an underwriter, that they set it up a certain way. Like it's, and I tell people, it's like painting a picture. Like I need to paint this picture so that the underwriter reads the file a certain way. If I leave it as a blank canvas, that underwriter is going to come at me with so many problems. I I mean, they're going to give me this long list. I'm not going to know what to do with it. And, and again, you know, you talk about when you first got in the business and not knowing. It's the same thing. When I first got in the business, I made a lot of mistakes. Sure. It was bad. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. there were times I'm like calling my dad, going, I'm crying, like, I can't do this. Yeah. I suck at doing this. And you learn, <laughs> you right? Do. You yeah. learn. Yeah. But yeah, that underwriter makes all the decisions. So the loan officer has to take the file. And when they're talking with a the client, they've got to really kind of look at it as an underwriter. Mm-hmm. What kind of questions mm-hmm. are the underwriters going to ask me? Right. And if I can answer that up front and I can show the documentation to back it up, because I know the guidelines too, and I can find them, and I know where they're at, and I'm going to present it to them in a certain way. And then that way, your pre-approvals come faster, your final approvals come faster, That's right. and you get a little bit of a smoother process. That's right. That's really good. I, lo- I love that you lay the groundwork up front, and that really 
that prevents a lot of the back and forth, back and yes. forth, which takes more time, right? And so it, and I think it wears a bar or down some. Yes. They're already emotionally exhausted from the process mm-hmm. of making the offer. You know, it's like, go, 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 like, look at this house, that house. Is it under contract? It, at least that's in our current market, right? Right. And then, you know, you're also on the other line saying, like, okay, I need this, I need that, I need, you know, all of this. What feels like to a lot of people private information. Yes. Right? Yes. When you say, hey, I need two months worth of bank statements, you're like, oh, like, is he going to see how often I eat at McDonald's or <laughs> whatever? Right. right? You know? And then he wants to see my tax returns too. Like, yeah. You know, that's pretty. That's pretty but, private. Maybe this should also be like prerequisites for dating also. It to would like- be a good idea. <laughs> I might start a new company. What's yeah. <laughs> like, that would be business idea? <laughs> Goals. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's good. Kind this of. person's sound. Yes. <laughs> this person's yes. not. No, Move not on. <laughs> you're like, you meet somebody on a, on a dating site or something. You're like, okay, so here's a name and number of a guy you're going to have to reach out to. And uh, they'll get back to you in two to three business days. <laughs> you send them a rejection letter and like they never hear from you again. Right. Gone. Yeah. Gone. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the million dollar question. Okay. This is the question that I think really all agents out there, buyers out there really, you know, want to know. And that is how can we touched on this just a little bit, but how can a good loan officer really help in a situation when a buyer is in a competitive situation? Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about having the, you know, having them call, but I know that there's other things that agents can recommend and we've touched on it again, but just kind of recap all of that of, of what is going to help shoot these people to the top of a, you know, of a multi-offer situation. Yeah. So I think the first thing is there's a lot of really great qualified people, especially in Northwest Arkansas to buy houses. And they know that. Um, and one of the things I think that hurts them the most is they wait until they find the house and it's 12 o'clock and, it's, and they, they, they call me at 12 and they say, hey, I'm meeting with my realtor at two o'clock. We're making an offer. It's going to be a multiple offer situation. I need a prequel letter. All right, great. You're already behind. And I can probably get that knocked out for them, but they're only going to get a prequal letter. Mm-hmm. What would be great is if they got a pre-approval letter. Absolutely. And that would that takes, you know, that takes some time because they got to get us documents. We got to get a VOE, mm-hmm. which is a verification of employment. We got to mm-hmm. do things on it. Mm-hmm. So again, if we had a pre-approval letter and we could call that listing agent once they get it and say, hey, this is what we have, that would help. Here, the thing they could actually take another step further. If they have a pre-approval, so they've taken the time to start early, they have a pre-approval from a local reputable lender, mm-hmm. um, and we can and they meet certain metrics, we can issue what is called a seller guarantee. Mm-hmm. So we will get we'll put on the pre-approval there a five thousand dollar seller guarantee saying if we don't close this loan on time and it's our fault, we'll give you five thousand dollars. Wow. So if you have multiple offers mm-hmm. coming in and you have a pre-approval, a guarantee, and someone else just has a pre-qualification. Who it's are you no going to go with? No brainer. Right? Yeah. All so, day long. Yeah. So t- if you're working with someone wanting to buy a house, as soon as you start with them, push them to get in front of a lender. It's it's just going to make it better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that having good communication skills with your buyers on the agent side yes. to, exp- to articulate really well why that's important, mm-hmm. you know, because I know a lot of agents are out there are just like, well, are you pre-approved? You mm-hmm. know, right. like, should I put you in my car? You know, are we wasting time? But that's from an agent's perspective. That's not from the seller's perspective. And that's really whose perspective we need to step into as agents, right? Exactly. To say, well, it's kind of like what you're talking about with, you know, the underwriting, getting all the information up first, you know, up front to where you can really 
come in and, and close the deal. Mm-hmm. So if you, as an agent, put yourself in the seller's shoes and say, well, if I had five offers, what would I want to see? And that $5,000 guarantee would be huge. It, yes. Yeah. 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 Let, me, yeah let's, let me turn the tables on this and ask you this question. So if you have a new agent... There's got to be some type of them, them being worried or scared that they're going to push their client too hard. Mm-hmm. Does that happen a lot? Oh, yes, man. So how do you overcome that? Oh, uh, good training. Good really? training from your broker, I think. I think that that's really where the source of everything. It, it was with the source for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I had incredible mentors and incredible brokers that really just guided me through what to say, how to say it, and when to say it, you right. know? And... But outside of that, honestly, I think it's just having a direct relationship with your lender and knowing, being in the know about things like that, um, or even when you know the two one buy down right. came, came available. That was huge to know, and those aren't the kinds of things that you read on the internet or see on a TikTok or whatever. You know, that comes from being in contact with a good lender like you who's educating me as a realtor, mm-hmm. you know, as a new realtor even, and saying, hey, these are the great programs that we have. These are ways that we can help your buyers. And, you know, I, I think that that's really where it starts is in education. Yeah, I agree. I think you, you probably hear this too, but I'll have clients that will call and say, I've been on the internet and <laughs> yes. this, this, and this, and this. And I'll tell them, stay off the internet. And if you have questions, call me. Right. I'll go over it with yes. you. But otherwise, yes. you're going to go down this rabbit hole mm. and it's going to take mm-hmm. you to a deep, dark place. Right. And you don't need to go there. I, I hear, um, I watched a YouTube video about negotiating. Oh, gosh. Like, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's, really, that's really good. Um, okay. What else did you learn? Okay. Right? Well, <laughs> you know, are people that might say, well, I've sold two houses before and I'm like, well, I sold two houses yesterday. Like, let me help you. You right. know, I, I'm here just to help you. And it's, and I don't say that in a meaning way towards buyers or sellers or anything like that. But it's kind of like if I needed, you know, if I needed to make big money moves with a, you know, in the financial realm, if I'm looking at buying stock, selling stock, you know, my retirement plan, you think I'm just going to Google that or watch a YouTube video? No. No. If we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm going to be calling. Well, I'm going to make a little plug. I'm going to be calling Brad Anderson at Northwestern Mutual and say, hey, man, what do you think about this? You know, and you know what he's told me a lot of times or my tax attorney, even they've said, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) Get off of Google. Get off of the Internet. And it it applies here, too. Right. Right. Yeah. That's so good, Connie. That's really good, Conrad. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, you know, let's circle back around and talk about reputation. Okay. You know, I I know that we talked in the opening a little bit about why that's important. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I think we've hit on a couple of topics surrounding that. But tell me why reputation is so important for agents for to work with a reputable lender and maybe more specifically a local lender versus somebody from out of town. Right. Like push button. Yeah. Or like a, a big, um, a big franchise or I'm not going to name any, but yeah, yeah, we all know. Yeah. Um, so to get reputation, reputation, you have to have experience, right? Uh, so if we go back to your offers and you have an offer and you're using a local reputable lender, right? And they, you know that that person really vents their clients and they close on time. Everything's a smooth process. And then, or you got a pre-approval or pre-qualification letter from an online lender that you don't know. You don't know what they asked. You don't know what digging they did in order to get that letter. Um, I've had, I've been called several times and said, hey, I just need a pre-qual letter. Can you just give me a letter. Like, 
no, I cannot just give you a letter. Like yes. this is my reputation. Yes. And so if I put my name on something, I need to deliver it. So mm, I think that's that good. the reputation is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to get that reputation, you have to have experience. Mm-hmm. And in order to have a good reputation, I think there's several things that have to happen. I was like, one, you have to have clear communication. So you need to be able to be in contact with your realtor partner. Um, that could be during the offer process, in the processing side of things, and at closing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that you need to have clear communication with your clients. Um, you got to be able to answer the why. So why yeah. are you asking this? Yeah. And then, or why are you recommending this program over this program? Mm-hmm. And they need to be able to understand that. Yeah. And then you got to have transparency. So mm-hmm. um one of my biggest pet peeves is when I'll deal with a client and they'll say, hey, I just got offered this 6.125% rate. And I was like, all right, great. Can you send me their financing standard? Let's take a look at it. And they'll show me a text. And the text oh. will say, 6.125, $2,500 payment, $5,000 closing costs. Like, and I'll ask them, it's like, all right, that $5,000 closing cost, are you paying points? I don't know. Oh. All right, is it closing costs, lender fees and title company fees? I don't know. Is it closing costs, lender fees, title company fees, and taxes and insurance? I don't know. You don't know. And so they, they don't know what they're paying for. For all right. we know, that $5,000 could be all the points to get to that 6.125%, yeah. right? right? So with us, we'll do this financing scenario and we break down like every every single time someone asks me for numbers, we'll give them two to five different rate options. I'll break it down line item by line item. We'll do a comparison. We help drive them to where they want to go, like depending on what they're trying to accomplish with this house. And so again, reputation. Yes, that's really good. That's so good. I love it. So I think we have we have just a little bit of time left, and um, I'm going to just shoot you a couple of a quick fire All questions. Right. There and you uh, go. yeah, fire. <laughs> yeah, and you know because talking about this, there is one big elephant in the room that we've not talked about. All righty, and I know everybody's wanting to know. So <laughs> from a pro's perspective, and I know you know you're plugged in, you're mm-hmm. educated, and you stay on top of the market and, and things like that, and. You know, buyers and sellers can hear lenders and realtors out there talking all day long about what their crystal ball says about the economy and the market. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the economy question. Here it comes. Okay. So what are your thoughts on, you know, this second half of the year and mm-hmm. into the beginning half of next year? Okay. So Federal Reserve is going to meet, uh, I think it's on the 25th, next week, 26th. They're going to raise rates a quarter percent. Uh, there's been two things I've seen. I've heard they're going to raise it again in September. I think it's the second time they meet, and I've heard they're not going to raise it. Can I stop you right there? Yeah. Just for clarity, because I, I know that we're talking to some new agents out there as yep. well. So let me back you up a little bit on the Fed rate and yep. raising the rate, because I do see some people out there on social media saying, the Fed raised the rate, you know, 0.25%, and now interest rates are at right. this point. So can you give me a quick and dirty differentiation between, Mm -hmm. yes, of the Fed rate and mortgage interest rates. So the federal funds rate is the rate that the Federal Reserve uses to lend money to banks, okay? Mortgage rates do not, they're not controlled by that federal funds rate. They're controlled by the uh, Fannie Mae bonds, okay? But they follow that. And what happens is, as the market releases data, and it could be unemployment, any any data that makes the market... feel like they can predict what's going to happen, they will move bond prices, okay? And as bond prices go up, interest rates go down. As bond prices go down, interest rates go up. They work opposite of each other. Um, So when expectation is that the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates, then mortgage rates will actually move in advance of that. 
Um, the, so like if they're expected to raise next week, the mortgage market's probably already made their move. Yeah. And so, and when they do raise it, it may bump it up a little bit more. Yeah. So it's not like, and we'll get that with clients. They'll say, well, I want to wait right up until they're going to raise it. And if we really think it's going to happen, let's lock in. It's like, it's too late. Mm-hmm. You've waited mm-hmm. too long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little bit of differentiation That's between good. there. That's good. All right. Well, I'll let you continue with, okay. with your predictions. Sorry. Yeah. I just, I My, had to stop you there because yeah. I knew no. that people were, were like, oh no. Yeah. Here we go. Here's yeah. a complicated uh-huh. question. Yeah. Um, so they're going to raise it. So uh, the expectation is they're supposed to raise it another one or two times the rest of this year. Um, at that point, the Federal Reserve, they're trying to break the market, stop the inflation. Mm-hmm. And as soon as, and we're starting to get some of those signs mm-hmm. that this inflation mm-hmm. is slowing down, um, which once they do that, it'll probably start sending our economy into a recession. Right? And as this is, it's, it's really sad because the way it works is rates can only go down if the, if the Federal Reserve starts to to lower rates. So in order for us to go into recession, that means people have to lose jobs. Right. Right. So yep. it's, it's, a, it's really like everyone's like, yeah, let's get lower rates. What they're really saying is, I want people let's to lose, lose some jobs. Let's yeah. lose some jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the recession is going to happen and then they're going to start lowering those rates. So over the next 12 to 24 months, um, they'll start lowering those rates and everyone who's bought a house now will get an opportunity mm-hmm. to refinance and lower those mm-hmm. rates. Um, what I also think is going to happen is, so 5.5% is a trigger rate. It is a rate that in people in people's mind that they feel comfortable buying a house. Those who have three percent rates or two point seven five percent rates, they'll feel comfortable moving up to that next house mm-hmm. and getting a five percent five point five percent rate. So all the folks that have been waiting for rates yeah. to drop, right, to take mm-hmm. that opportunity, are going to be jumping in at the same time when everyone else is already wanting to buy. So it's going to double down again. That's right. We're going to be back in that same situation. Mm-hmm. So the folks that have decided to wait will jump in and we're already in a you know, distressed inventory market. That's right. So when, if you took any type of economy class, when supply is less than demand, yep. right? What happens? Prices go up. That's right. So you get a lower rate. But now you're paying more. So mm-hmm. you probably end up with the same payment. That's right. Yeah. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. All day long. Yeah. 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 I guess if you guess, let me run some numbers. Yeah, by let's, hear it. So, let's all right, hear it. All right. So we got this thing called a cost of waiting. All right. Um, and I've been really preaching this to my team. And bar, anytime a buyer says, I'm, I just want to wait. And so I'm going to run these numbers so everyone understands them. So in Washington County, the average sales price is $295,000. If you do a 5% down payment, which is call it $15,000, um, the past five years, the houses have appreciated 8.83% per year, mm-hmm. right? Largely because of COVID. Mm-hmm. The forecast at 12 months is supposed to appreciate 1.75%. Okay. So it's not a lot, but it's it's enough to notice. Yeah. But think about it. So if you bought a house for 295 and appreciates 1.75%, that's fifty five hundred dollars. So it moves up from two ninety five to three hundred thousand five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. If you put fifteen thousand dollars into it and you got a fifty five hundred dollar return, that's a thirty six percent return on your money. So you talk about your financial advisor guy. If yeah. he called you one day and said, Hey, look, you know, nothing's guaranteed but I've got this investment opportunity. Mm -hmm. Do you have $15,000? I think we could probably make 36% on it. You'd probably write that check right right. there, right? No brainer. So you have that, and then you have those folks that are renting, right? So those folks that are renting are paying 100% interest right now. Mm -hmm. Any interest rate below Mm -hmm. 100% is better. That's always better. That's right. So they may not realize this, but they say, I want to wait. Okay, that's fine. So one, you're going to miss out on that appreciation. You also are going to miss out on paying down a loan. So in one year's time, so if you had a 6.75% rate, you'd pay down a loan $3,000. So now you got $5,500. Plus three thousand, you missed out on. That's eighty five hundred dollars. You multiply divide that into your fifteen thousand dollars. It's like a fifty seven percent return on money. So that's yeah. It, it, when you start yeah. like talking to folks, I'm like I want to wait. 
Well, this is what you're going to wait into. This is so you want to wait to reduce your interest rate by one percent, which will save you two thousand dollars, right? To give you a, give up eighty five hundred bucks, right? No, that the math does not math no. for me. No, uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, I'd have more fun taking my money and burning it in the Walmart parking lot and yeah. watch people or, or try or to put just, it out. Like that'd be more fun than just, give it just to me. throwing it. Yeah, just give it to God, right? <laughs> yes, yes, that's good, man. That's a that's a really great <laughs> illustration. Yeah. Well, Conrad, thank you so much for coming on today. Yes. And guys, we are going to wrap up yet another wonderful episode of the row report and just um i really loved having you just shed some light on the mortgage industry and um how we can continue to help buyers out there and just you know helping our agents especially continue to think feel and act like a pro thanks again for coming on yeah thank you for having me i enjoyed this yes absolutely all right